NFR. NFR Extra is a podcast dedicated to the Wrangler National Finals Rodeo and features icons and personalities that embody the Western lifestyle. One decent in the circuit, filled my permit, and hung around those guys. And then uh, in 2000, they were putting a crew together. And I said, you want to go? And I said, shoot, yeah. And they said, we got a spot for you. There are a lot of kids coming up and a lot of great clinics for these kids to go to. And as much as I do not want to give Oatberry any credit, what he's done with those, the, you know, his events has helped a bunch. And, and it's helped in the way of giving these kids confidence you know, great steers, great setups, and the ability to gain confidence in winning at a young age. I've always bet on myself, even at a young age. Uh, and fortunately for me, and unfortunately for Pete Rose, I get to be put in the Hall of Fame. But, uh, you know, <laughs> at a young age, I'd always bet on myself and, and put the pressure on myself. This is Pro Rodeo announcer Andy Seiler, and you are listening to NFR Extra. Whenever we put this one on the schedule, I, I was just licking my chops because we've bumped into one another throughout the years. But I, I always love when I get to chat with Luke Branquino, and right now he's his his stock just continues to rise. So I don't I don't really know where to begin. But congratulations on on making it into the Hall of Fame. Oh shoot! I appreciate it. Um, it's funny stock begins to rise. I'm not seeing that in my bank account, but anyway, you know, it's, <laughs> it was, uh, you know, when I got the call, it was, uh, I mean, a bit un- unbelievable. Really. I was working on the tractor. We were doing something and, and they said, Hey, what, um, what do you got going on? First part of July or July 14th and 15th. And I was like, Oh shoot. I just signed a contract with Calgary. I'll be up there doing TV for them. And they're like, Oh, you think you can take a couple of days off? Um, I'm like, well, I mean, probably not. It's signed contract and I like doing that stuff. Well, we're going to put you in the hall of fame. Like, Oh shit. Yeah. Let me see what I could do. Let me see if I can make some calls. <laughs> yeah. That's one of those things that you don't really put on the back burner. I mean, that's, you know, draw out on a steer that you didn't like, but uh, Hey, you're going to the hall of fame. Yeah. I'm going to make that one. Yeah, for sure. And funny thing was I called her, our contact up there, which she's been awesome, uh, has always been awesome. And I said, Hey, I might have to skip a couple days. And, uh, she's like, Oh no, why? And I told her, she's like, Oh, Oh yeah, we'll make that work. We'll just have Butch Knowles fill in for you on uh, the days you're gone. And then the list came out that uh, evening. I'm like, Oh shoot. I had to call Cindy again and say, Hey, about Butch filling in for me, that might be a little tough. So Jeff Metters is going to have to take over the the whole thing. But the good thing about Calgary is you have some of the or the very best athletes in the world. Surely you could find somebody to fill in for a day or two. Sure. Right. The future Hall of Fame hopefuls. Uh, not in bad footsteps to be following after Butch Knowles and Luke Branquino. Um, you've kind of had some big life changing moments um, with a big move from a California, multi-generational California family uh, going to Texas. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So, you know, times out there have changed tremendously. And, and what I mean by that is, you know, 30, 40 years ago, it was probably one of the best farming ranching communities in California, uh, right there on the central coast. And then here comes the vineyards, the wine growers, and they started, you know, leasing cattle pasture for 
hundred times what it was worth, 10 times what it was worth for that matter. You couldn't afford it to run cattle on. And, and then the vegetables obviously have been there for so long. And, and the, you know, the price of land just to lease for cattle pasture, or even growing hay to feed livestock has gone up considerably. And, you know, it just, it was a tough, tough decision, but we, we couldn't make it work. We weren't big enough to stay there to make it work. And we weren't small enough to make it work to stay there. You know, if that, if that makes any sense. And, uh, it'd be honest with you not to get into the political aspect of it, but the people that were moving up to that Valley because of how wonderful it was, weren't in the right same mindset as, as my family and, and the way we wanted to go about living and, and make a living and, and raise our kids. And, you know, that, that was a huge reason for us, you know, moving and getting out of there. Unfortunately, you know, it's still hard. We're still struggling with it, but you know, for the future of the kids is what we were kind of looking for. And, but that wasn't just you and your wife and your kids. That was your entire family, right? Yeah. So my folks moved out with us. They're in the same piece of land right now. We, we actually split it with them. Uh, my oldest brother, Tony, he's in Stephenville, which is about 40 minutes from us. Uh, Casey, my middle brother, he moved up to Oakdale um, with his situation with his kids. He couldn't leave the state right now. So, yeah, they're, you know, pretty much everybody up and left. We do have a thousand acres we kept out there that my dad is, well, it's been in the family um, for the last 60 years as lease property. We farm it and run some cattle. And we we have a great guy that had been with my dad since before I was born that's looking after that. And we'll go out and, you know, we'll brand and farm and do all that when we need to go out there and do that. But, uh, you know, as far as leaving everything behind, that's that's pretty much what we did. So what does Texas look like for you now with the family? You know, it's great. The community we're in, we're in Heiko. Um the people are awesome. You know, the kids are still struggling, um, trying to make friends and, and just, I guess that's such a huge change. And you don't realize the emotions that they go through. Um, I mean, I know my emotions, but I figured they get thrown into school. They'll make friends, they'll play sports and everything's good to go. Well, that's not necessarily the case, but, uh, you know, as far as Texas itself, it's, it's awesome. We went and registered our cars, when we moved out here last year and, and we're used to paying twelve, thirteen hundred dollars a vehicle to register them in California, they're like, yeah, sorry, it's going to be a little high this year because your first time register, uh, resident registering your car and like 150 bucks or 170 bucks. We're like, oh, OK, I thought we we're going to, yeah. you know, anyway. So, you know, there's always those types of things that make you laugh when they say, you know, it's a little bit higher than what what you're what we're used to. And I'm like, oh, not very much for us. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> that Heiko, that so you got Bobby Kerr and Tomas Garcia Lazo living at Heiko there. Did they have any influence in pulling you there, or what? What took you to that particular location? No, uh, actually, I've driven through Heiko multiple times, rodeo in the last twenty some years, and honestly, I didn't even know Thomas lives here. I'm gonna have to go see him. You know, we've been here for a year. I'm gonna go see Thomas. I love him. Uh, Bobby Kerr ran into him a few times. Cody Ole, Justin Schaefer, the the I rodeoed with him the last year I, I went and they live, actually, it's been amazing for us. They live maybe 10 minutes, not even from the school, about 20 minutes from us. So that's where Cade, my oldest has been going to shoot dog and, and Justin's been helping him a bunch. Him and his wife, Katie and their girls have been amazing. You know, it was kind of nice to have somebody like their or family like that. It helped bring us into kind of feeling more comfortable in an area that we we're not from. So, you know, other than, 
knowing the town when we drove through it, rodeo, and there wasn't anything that pulled us to it. We just found a place we, you know, we liked and, and, uh, went from there. Will there be an extent of farming happening on this location? Yes. Yeah. So in fact, there is, uh, we have, when we bought it, it had 40 acres of farmland on it. And then we just cleared probably another 40, which when we, you know, you hear about cedar trees and mesquite trees and you do not realize how big of a pain in the ass they are until you start clearing the land to pluck them. And oh my goodness. Uh, I can remember watching young guns when they're, I don't know if you guys remember this, when they're riding through the mesquite patch and they're pulling those thorns out of their side after they've got done being chased. I'm like, well, that's a bunch of crap. That's not real. I'm telling you what, those mesquites are for real. And that was pretty spot on with what they did in the movie. They're, uh, they are, uh, they're, they're something I tell you. <laughs> well, you know, obviously you don't get into the hall of fame just as a fluke. I mean, you earn that right. And it's an honor that you shouldn't take lightly, but, I, I want to circle back to the very beginning, Luke. Was there was there a point in time early on, you know, high school, college rodeo, a moment where you said, "Hey, I could do this for a living." What what was that moment like when when you realized I, I can I can beat these guys I've looked up to my whole life? Well, I'd say it started, you know, in college. Well, in high school, even I I loved every event I did. I didn't swing a rope very good, so I gravitated more towards the steer wrestling. Um, and you know, I worked my butt off at it from the time I jumped my first steer. And the simple fact was I worked at it because I didn't want to hit the ground. I hated, uh, wrecking. So I worked at it hard. So I didn't, you know, take those bustings, uh, that I'd seen some of the other kids take. So I worked at it hard college or high school, won the state finals in my sophomore year. And then I got injured my junior year, won it my senior year, and then went on to college and had a lot of success. And I thought, you know, I'm going to give this a shot. Um, and went to a steer wrestling clinic my senior year with Trav Cadwell and, and Vince Walker. And those guys, Trav made the finals once and Vince had missed it multiple times, but was really close. And they, they knew the ropes and how to get up and down the road and from California. So when I graduated, I went to college, college rodeo and circuit rodeoed out there and, and won decent in the circuit, filled my permit and hung around those guys. And then uh, in 2000, they were putting a crew together and I said, do you want to go? And I said, shoot, yeah. And they said, we got a spot for you. So <clears throat> took advantage of that. And, you know, from the time they offered me to get in the rig and then we actually went, I felt like, you know, I have a chance to to excel at this. And, um, and it just kind of went from there. Who was your biggest influence during those early days? Well, uh, starting John Black was a guy that uh, had just missed the national finals. He was from Lompoc and he steer wrestled and he'd been coming out with uh, my brother Casey and, and a, another gentleman by the name of Joey Ames. And they were starting to practice. And I was young. I was seventh grade, maybe. And my dad would always get some little steers from me to shoot dog. And John was so inspirational as far as, uh, you know, always positive for a young kid getting drug around that could get discouraged so easily. You know, he kept my, he kept me positive and kept everything going. And uh, I could remember at a young age, John always there, you know, trying to help and, and make things better. And, and technique wise, that's kind of where I found my foundation. So I looked up to him a lot and then, Trav Cadwell helped me so much. In fact, a lot of those years that I was making the finals after every run I make, you know, I'd call Trav after he got to watch it on whatever it was ESPN, CBS sports, GAC, whatever channel was on at that time. 
And, you know, we would, we would pick, pick the runs apart, but at a young age, Trav taught me a lot of just being really technically sound. Um, so, you know, having him in my corner was, was huge too. It seems like right now that there's a lot of events in rodeo that are kind of doing good, doing pretty good. And there's some up and comers and there's some sparsity in that, you know I mean? Like you've got some real shining stars and you got some guys that are hoping to be there from what I see at like the O'Berry junior Sea wrestling world championships there at the junior world finals, there is a pile of talent that is moving up in the world of steer wrestling. Is that just my, my unprofessional opinion or do you kind of no. see that there's a lot of kids coming up? There are a lot of kids coming up and a lot of great clinics for these kids to go to. And as much as I do not want to give Oatberry any credit, what he's done with those, the, you know, his events has helped a bunch and, and it's helped in the way of giving these kids confidence, you know, great steers, great setups and the ability to gain confidence in winning at a young age. And, and I, also the WCRA, what they're doing with the youth um, division and, and giving these kids an opportunity and not only the opportunity, but the opportunity with the pressure. And that is, that's the key right there. If you can give these kids opportunity with the pressure that is added onto it and they succeed, it's just going to help grow, grow all the events. And that's what I feel like we're seeing right now with these young kids, um, you know, especially take a kid like cash Rob. Yeah. You know, I think he's won Oates deal a couple of times. Uh, yeah. And Bridger Anderson made the national finals. You know, these kids that have came up through those levels and now you're seeing them succeed at a young age. And I think a lot, again, I don't, I don't want to give a lot of credit, but it's helped those, <laughs> that young generation tremendously. He's so much bigger than me that I'll give him whatever essentially he needs. Yeah. But you could have whatever I think. <sighs> yeah. I don't know if that hand would reach out and just grab a hold of me and crush <laughs> me before I could get too far. Let's take a quick pause and we'll be right back. Want to relive the best NFR moments from the last 37 years? We've got you covered at nfrexperience.com. Check out the NFR history tab at the website for a walk, or should we say gallop, down memory lane. You'll find images, recaps, and videos from the greatest moments from the last 37 years in Las Vegas. From Ty Murray to Trevor Brazil, Louis Field to Casey. Charmaine James to Mary Berger, Fred Whitfield to Joe Beaver, and everything in between, you'll find it here. There's something for all rodeo fans. Check it out at nfrexperience.com because legacies and memories are made in Vegas. Yeah, so like the pressure that you're talking about, is that competing on a larger scale at a younger age is what you're speaking of? Yeah, competing on that larger scale and, you know, the money that's up, you know, these these kids can win 20, 30,000 at some of these events. And I'm speaking more of the finals or WCRA events. And, you know, when you're setting yourself up for that type of opportunity, even the pressure at the smaller events can build on you. You know, OK, hey, I need to get 10 points at this event so I have an opportunity at that big money at the finals. Well, these are pressure situations you don't really get in junior high and, and, and not saying high school rodeo, but just when you're talking about that much money, it, it adds the pressure. I don't care where you're at. When do you think you had that turning point of pressure when you were competing? Like, was it after college where you would have those moments of, you know, I have to win this round or I have to be fast that it no longer affected you or does it just follow your whole career and you learn to kind of balance it better? 
I think I learned how to balance it better, but um, I've, I've always bet on myself, even at a young age. Uh, and fortunately for me and unfortunately for Pete Rose, I get to be put in the hall of fame, but uh, you know, <laughs> at a young age, I'd always bet on myself and, and put the pressure on myself. Like, I need to go do this. I need to succeed to prove to myself I could do it. You know, I didn't have the opportunities of the those big money situations, but I did have two older brothers that it was, you know, you, you always compete. I don't care what it is. If you got two older brothers, you always compete to try to beat them. And at a young age, I was very unsuccessful at that. And I just kept driving myself to, to push forward and, and try to beat them. So I think, you know, at, the pressure for me was having the two older brothers and and knowing I had to go out there and beat them to prove to myself I could. So I don't want to start a debate or say we're going to have hot topics and all this, but um, the the issue of replay has been one that's on everybody's mind as of late. And, you know, there, there are those, and I, I'm not going to speculate, but it could have, put another world championship on your mantelpiece, you know, when you go back to your competing days, but we all know as fans of this sport, it's an imperfect system. You know, you can't have the same technology in Yuma, Colorado that you're going to have at the Calgary stampede. So in, in your mind's eye, what would be the fairest way to set up a replay system? Well, to go back on that, Andy, I don't, you know, I think everything happens for a reason uh, for what happened with me in 2008 had I'd won that world championship, I may not have went on and won anymore. So for me, it was, you know, Hey, that happened. I'm going to go on and, and keep striving to be the best. And, you know, like I said, it, everything happens for a reason. Did I agree with how it happened? No. Did I, could I have done my job better? So I didn't put Butch, I didn't put Butch Kirby in that situation to make a, have to make that call. But to your answer or to your question, I think instant replay is, we're we're in what 2023 now every mm -hmm. sport that the players get paid to play have it why not rodeo when you have the opportunity the payers the players don't get paid to play we have to win it we pay an entry fee for the most part other than calgary houston and a handful of them so right. why not let the right person win because it it affects our bank account way more than it affects any other professional sport player um and again, yeah, Yuma, Colorado can't have it. You have to have it set up to where a rodeo has to be technically set up for it. But why not? Why not do it to give the Cowboys the best opportunity or cowgirls, cow athletes, cow people in 2023 is what we should say. Cow, um, cow non-binaries. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Stop. So I honestly think if you have the ability and have the capability, Houston, for example, we know what happened there. Was it the right call? I don't know. I would have to see multiple replays. And we we have the technology to do it. San Antonio, Fort Worth, these rodeos where the money's big. And, and I and I could see, I hear people's arguments saying, well, that money that you win at Houston is the same money that you're winning at Yuma, Colorado. Yuma doesn't have it. You might screw a cowboy over here, but they're not getting the same fair treatment. No, but we have the technology to make it where we can use it. Yeah. Speaking of technology and your thoughts and opinions, tell us a little bit about your podcast. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that Luke Branquino show thing. Um, it's been fun. It's, it really has. And for me, sitting down and talking with a lot of the athletes that 
you don't you don't really know the insight. You know, you see them at the rodeos, you, you bullshit them, but you don't know a lot of their stories. And to be able to sit down with athletes and hear their stories have been pretty amazing. But not only the athletes, I've had actors that are, you know, really love the Western way of life, sports figures, um, people like that that love the Western way of life that can, can relate to it, that are not necessarily in it. Uh, Matthew Reese. He, he's an actor um, that I've met several years ago and we went on a hunting trip and he just loves everything about the Western way of life. You know, he's starring, he's Perry Mason, in the HBO show, Perry Mason. He was in brothers and sisters. I mean, this guy has some credentials, but always loved the Western way of life, grew up riding horses. And, you know, for him to be able to speak on it and say how much of an impact it's having on the world today is huge. Um, and I've enjoyed everything about that and, and looking forward to it just getting bigger and better. Now, how did you get behind the mic at all for a part of your career? That, you know, that's a great question. And I often ask myself, how did I get into this situation? Um, Randy Bernard. Well, let's go way back in 2005. Uh, I I'd got hurt and had surgery and didn't make the finals. And I, at that time, I think it was, Pro Rodeo Radio. I honestly can't remember the name, but they asked me to get on board and and do radio um, with a gentleman by the name of Jeff Tracy, and and I, that was really my first experience behind the microphone. And obviously, I, I did have a face for radio, so it fit me well. Um, now, now, but uh, you know, so that was my first experience. But the other thing, when I got picked up by the U.S. Army they had us do media training and learn how to speak in front of the camera and talk to people, which I honestly think every professional cowboy should have to do. Amen. Uh, all it's going to do is enhance our sport and, and make us look more professional. Uh, but that helped me a lot too. And then uh, Randy Bernard asked me to, uh, to do the American one year. That was my first time stepping really in front of the camera and calling action of a rodeo um, other than the interviews that I was doing, you know, prior to that. So that would have been I'm trying to think what year I did not I think I got hurt again. Amazing. That happened so many times. Uh, but uh, yeah, that was, that was kind of my first time was behind the camera was with the, uh, with the American. So who's been helping you as far as critiques and encouragement, because I don't, I don't care how many times you've been behind a microphone, you need people to give a little bit of both. So who do you kind of either reach out to or who's, Who's helped you in going, hey, this is great, or all right, maybe don't do this as much? Oh, there's been lots of people. You know, obviously, you know, you have a lot of critics when you get in front of the not, mic or on Not camera. the trolls, Luke. I'm not talking about the trolls. <laughs> Nobody and, trolls you. Yeah, Andy's yeah, looking right. for the people that helped you so that he can get their numbers and get a little help himself. <laughs> well, Shauna Schmidt, uh, she's with the PBR, and actually she was one of the first – I guess she would be the stage producer at the American. I'm sorry, Sean, if I didn't know your exact position there, but uh, <laughs> I, she's become a great friend. Um, I call her on anything, but she was, she was there the very first time. I think I was doing um, commentary work and, you know, she said, Hey, speak up here, you know, do this, do that. And it, it was really helpful. Uh, Joe Lavero, he's the president of Teton Ridge sports and entertainment. Now uh, he was a, you know, he was big fan and, and always helped me. Jeff Metters. I mean, working with Jeff and Butch, mm -hmm. Joe Beaver, every one of them had awesome words of encouragement or, you know, words that they 
critiqued you, but it was to help better you, you know, uh, and to have those type of people that that are willing to sit there and tell you the honest truth is is good because you don't want them blowing smoke and making you look silly. It's very true. That's for sure. And I will say, I my wife, I can't remember what year it was at the finals, but there was one word that I kept saying over and over, and she, I guess, politely said, do you mind stop saying that word? I'm like, what word? And she said it, and I'm like, oh, my God, I've been saying that <laughs> multiple times. <laughs> and I don't yeah. know if you guys ever get caught in that rut. Oh, yeah. It can happen. <laughs> it's, it, it is. And that's the one thing, too, that I think that you see when you are in the can situation. So, like, if you're behind the – a TV camera, if you're in a radio booth, you don't get that automatic return of what somebody thinks about what you said. Mm-hmm. And I'll sit there and I'm bad about that too. I'll get one thing. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. If I say this one more time, somebody just slapped me in the face. I mean, I'll literally <laughs> tell a secretary, like, listen, if I say this one more time, you got to tell me because I'm just stuck on this word. Right. I don't think it helps me at all, but I am aware of when those situations happen and it is hard to be able to control. Sometimes you just get in a thing where you're like, ah, ah, well, on the, on the live for side, me, when you... I was doing the Luke Branquino show, um, again, that's on YouTube. You could like and subscribe. It's on Spotify and <laughs> Apple Podcasts and, you know, all that stuff. If anybody is listening and wants to check it out, Luke Branquino show, YouTube, like, subscribe. Anyway, uh, I would be I'd watch all the, the shows before we post them. And every time somebody stopped to stop talking, I'd be like, well, and then mm-hmm. they talk in and be like, and well, and I'm like, mm-hmm. I need to quit saying well. So yeah, just those well, little words. If you want a good drinking game, uh, <laughs> you can you can watch watch rodeos on the Cowboy Channel and hear how many times you hear ladies and gentlemen. Um, uh, and and you you may not make it by the end of the bareback riding. So just <laughs> just yeah, it, it is because you're exactly right, Luke. I mean, the greatest compliment anyone can give me is you're easy to listen to. You know, and if you get right. stuck on saying the same thing over and over and it, it, it makes you hard to listen to. So you're, you're exactly right for, for getting that kind of feedback. And even your wives can give you the most honest feedback. Mine usually has to pick my outfits out before I go anywhere in public. So yours does that uh, too. Yes. Yes. Nice. Oh, I'm glad I'm not the only one. Well, we have something in common. Steve, uh, Does your wife pick out your clothes too? Me? Mm-hmm. Yeah, running suits, sweatpants. You know, that way I look like I'm going to the gym, but I can celebrate the having the father figure, the dad bought or whatever it is. Like, how do you look like you're, you know, lifting weights? I'm just eating a lot. That's, I mean, like right now, I just have a pair of short shorts on. Yeah. You can see those. Oh, yeah. no, 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 no. No video on this podcast. <laughs> hey, so with the years that you've got going down the road, rodeo, and you've got your kids kind of moving in there, what, besides work, what do you have? For free time for hobby wise for you right now oh free time what is that okay i, let me like I had that. way more free time when i was rodeo <laughs> um you know free time is baseball we're we're baseball season right now so i'm helping coach one of the teams and we uh i think there's a couple games where the boys have three games or we have a game on thursday and all three of them have a game and we're in different counties so that makes it tough, but uh, fortunately, my folks are here to help us out. But, you know, free time is dropping off at school. I go to the gym every day for the last two weeks. Big positive for me. Um, and then come back here and work, you know, and I don't think as a cowboy and a farmer and a rancher that there really is free time. If that makes sense, there's always something to do. 
And uh, the way I see it is if you enjoy what you do, you'll never work a day of your life. So I take take advantage of that free time to to enjoy my life. I like it. Well, Luke, I can honestly say we need more people like you in, in our industry. So please keep doing what you're doing and do more of it. And congratulations again on, on all of your accomplishments and the successes of your family because you guys deserve it all. Well, I sure appreciate it. And, uh, uh, you know, you guys have been huge supporters um, and friends, and, and I appreciate everything you guys do for me, but more so the sport of rodeo and, and the sport that uh, we all love. Want to experience more of the NFR? Then visit nfrexperience.com. And we invite you to subscribe to NFR Extra on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and wherever you're listening right now. If you like what you've heard on NFR Extra, we would love it if you gave us a five-star rating and tell your friends how to subscribe. 